Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. We are back for another episode of Grand Moff Talkin'. We bring you delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in bi-weekly, possibly weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley. Hey. Jake. Hell. And Isaac. Hey. So... We are continuing... This is already so much worse than the first episode. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you never even gave me a chance! so early. Anyway, we... Our first episode, which you've listened to already after you've you've liked us, you've subscribed to us... Probably multiple times. Rated us, yeah. It's like, how many Please times did you see episode one of our podcast in theaters? Please rate us, and not as a podcast, but as people. <laughs> I'm a little wary about that one, too, after my Natalie Portman comments. <laughs> well, she's going to give you a one, for sure. Here's what we should say. If you have something negative to say, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. And just have it in your head. Five stars only. Just let me be negative, please. Or write your negative review, but just click that five-star button first. <laughs> write the meanest review you want. I don't no, care. keep it to one sentence, though. Take your diatribe and, and condense it down to one sentence and only pick the positive words. And hopefully it'll <laughs> create a sentence such as, like, Hi, Riley Jake, good bombin', Isaac. <laughs> Mooie bombin'. Me, me amigo, Mooie bombin'. What does bombad mean? At some what point do- in this review they said me amigo. Because sometimes <laughs> bombad is good and sometimes bombad is bad. I don't understand what bombad means. I think means. it's like, man, that is one bad ride you got. But then like, sometimes they say it like bad. Like, this like is it's a, actually bad. This is a bad lobster steak. Like a bad man pajama. Yeah. Or a bad set of pajamas, which is just like uncomfortable. What does boom to gasser mean? That's the one thing that we we've talked about it for hours and hours. You On our trip to celebration, we just actually crash into the boss's hay blibber. You know, it happens. <laughs> and that's how you boom a gasser. <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about this about Jar Jar Binks, but you know, like well, we George did. Lucas said, you know, people didn't understand Yoda at first, and they grew <laughs> to understand his language. And I have seen Phantom Menace probably a hundred times. There are still lines that Jar Jar says that I don't know what he is saying. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Yoda is speaking all of our words in a different order. You you know how like they have those little things that you see on your aunt's Facebook, how like you have the first and the last letter correct and you can jumble up the middle words and it still makes sense, you can still read it. That was kinda like Yoda's language, but Jar Jar was an encrypted code that you have to decipher <laughs> with subtitles. I agree though, George. Yoda and Jar Jar are practically the same character. They're almost Very the similar. Same. They're Very almost similar. The same. If you ask Brian Young, who should come on the show. And Brian Young, come on the show. He really should, that. because he has a great Jar Jar theory that actually might make Riley change his mind. It's not the, and cry. It's not the Sith one, right? Because that one's just bogus, right? No, 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 no. Because no, 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 no. that no. one's just like, come no, on. No, that's dumb. This okay. is no joke. Okay. It is. A, <laughs> it, no, it's actually a really, really cool theory. Okay. We are continuing. Okay, we're continuing. Our act two discussion of uh, The Phantom Menace. We left off last time, right before... We uh we land on the desert. We kind of got into Anakin when when we uh, we talked about Jake Lloyd and his portrayal of Anakin Skywalker. But I guess we're gonna just take it from the top of uh, Tatooine. They land and they come out of the ship and like Panaka's like, "Hey, hey, bye. <laughs> she hey guys, to, she wants, hey guys, I'm Panaka, and I just I just came to say I'm not gonna be in episode two. I'm gonna be replaced by a guy with one eye, <laughs> Captain Typho or Tycho." Captain Typhoid. Typhoder. 
Yeah, what's up with Panake? He's just like Captain Denzel Pancake. Washington, but a worse actor. He was Mr. Incidental. That's what. Here's here, in my mind, here's how you make episode one a hundred times better. Go. You send Captain Pancake. You send Obi Wan into town to find the hyperdrive. And those two snark at each other the whole time. They they can take Jar Jar if they have to, but I wish they wouldn't. But I I wanted those two to do more than just sit. They're very competent dudes. Do you want to know about some interesting research I did into the I original script yes. for episode one? Tell me. That was the plan. Well, that sounds it was. great. <laughs> so in the original in the original script for if this you know sources to be believed, which is it's on the internet. It's detailed and has like well, concept art. So I read it on the internet. What color media was this? <laughs> we are still on the same wavelength. I was just about to say the same thing. Um, but no, so basically in the original script, um, Qui-Gon didn't come in until after they got back from Naboo. Mm. So he was a late addition. They ended up bringing him in earlier because they realized that his death wouldn't be very impactful if you didn't have right. any relation to the character. But the original uh, plan was on Tatooine for it to be Obi-Wan and Padme and I think Captain Panaka or whoever the captain character was um, and there was kind of like some almost romantic potential interplay between Padme and Obi-Wan. That would have been excellent. Mm. Would have fed into Anakin's uh, fears in episode that, Thra. That would have fixed a lot of my problems with Qui-Gon too because pretty much the only things I don't like about Qui-Gon happen on Tatooine. If he had not been there, I would <laughs> no I would like the character a whole lot more. I have uh, an idea as to what those things might be, but I'm yeah. curious to hear them. Okay. Are we going to talk, talk about it now? Yeah. I'll wait till you drink. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we will not talk about um, it for ten more minutes. Yeah, I guess if we want to get on, it, this is where the movie loses me. Uh, and it picks me back up after Tatooine. Oh, no. But <laughs> that is so interesting because this is where I become super engaged with the movie. No, this makes a good podcast, guys. This is, oh, man. It's like we planned it out. We didn't. <laughs> um, no, it, it loses me because the, the whole Tatooine plot is so convoluted. And it, it has Qui-Gon making lots of questionable decisions. Which I know he's a questionable Jedi, so is I'm okay with that. Is he a great Jedi, guys? No. Great Jedi? No, he's not a great Jedi, but he's... <laughs> Did you just click on IGN.com and read all ten of their top articles on great Jedis? <laughs> Jolie Bindo, best great Jedi IGN, come on the show. <laughs> um, but no, it, it he does a lot of dumb things and things that don't make sense. And, like, explain to me the deal, the pod race deal right now. So basically, I know I'm a big idiot. I mentioned that last episode. Explain. I'm the bumpkin here. And I know, and I know you can't explain it, but it's just like I don't. I You're don't saying it's so convoluted. Then if he's gonna cheat and lie and do all that stuff, why didn't he just steal the hyperdrive? Why don't you just <laughs> Why don't you just sell the ship and buy a smaller ship that you can all get to Naboo? You're saying why didn't he just do a breaking and entry and use the force and just lift the hyperdrive out of there and be like, see ya? And uh, <laughs> well, it's not that much worse than what he did. That's a good question, Isaac. I, <laughs> Feel really, this one for me. This is uh, guy. Why wasn't Qui Gon a thief? Do I like the Phantom Menace? Is my question right off the it bat. Now. It's not a good movie. <laughs> it just it the whole plan just kind of loses me when there are there are many solutions. It feels like they, they this plot was thrown in there because you had to get Qui Gon to meet Anakin and you had to have Anakin do something for Qui Gon to show Qui Gon that he is worth taking. When this is a problem that could have been solved by landing. 
I don't know, maybe hiring some kind of uh, smuggler and his Wookiee companion who would accept Republic credits mm-hmm. once you get to Coruscant. That you wouldn't know, be an irritating reference. What we have it. here... <laughs> no, is a, it would be an irritating reference, but it <laughs> makes sense. This <laughs> is a classic, classic Krennic and the Death Troopers walking a half mile to the Urso household. It sure yes, it is. Sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes the plot has to take a backseat to... Yeah, I... I yeah, to I, common sense. Like you were saying, like... Without watching the movie right now, which I'm not I'm looking at a television without the Phantom Menace on it, I could put it on if you want. Eh. I can but, describe this deal to you. But right. um, yeah, I do think that, like you said, it was it the the plot, the story necessitated uh, a more complicated solution to the problem than simply, like you said, just stealing the hyperdrive. Which still, like it's it, it doesn't seem too out of the realm of Qui Gon's character to do something like that after he cheats somebody. After he tries to mind trick this guy in the first place, I mean, it's like yeah, that's practically stealing it in the first place. Yeah. If he's going to try and mind trick him and give him something that's worthless for it, I could concede that. Yeah, it is like it's the, the this. Sometimes the story necessitates something more complicated than just point A to point B. I guess but, so. I just don't care about that kind of thing. <laughs> it's just like why did uh, like in in Inside Out. Why didn't the little girl just be happy about being in her apartment? That's like, well, because then there wouldn't be an entire movie about the guys in her brain. Like, there, it would have been really good Riley impression. Thank you. <laughs> it sounds just like me. <laughs> it wasn't really Listeners, that was shots. not me. It's like, yeah, but for the entire, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, that that does make sense, but. It also doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility to me that he's like, well, I don't want to literally just lift it and steal it. And there's something about this boy. Let me see what his piloting skills are like, because if this kid is in tune with the Force... He needs a pilot? Yeah, in worst case scenario, he dies. <laughs> what? Just a kid. <laughs> worst case scenario, the slave kid dies. So, you know, we can just... Well, let's just do this race to see if he survives. I guess so. Qui-Gon loses me on Tatooine. Boy, oh boy. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that the logic of Star Wars is typically pretty questionable. And, and I agree with you that, like, from a um, from that standpoint a lot of this does not hold up to a lot of deeper scrutiny. I think, to mm. me, it's just like, what? Is that how I want to watch movies? I don't know. No, I, I don't I'm know if you, that's I'm what I'm... I'm with you there. I'm, I, I don't, you're not wrong. I don't like to do that. However, it does. It did something to a character that I really liked, and I read a ton of books with Qui-Gon in them when I was younger, oh. too, and I don't want to go back and reread those because I'm sure they were full of the same things. <laughs> and I liked Qui-Gon as a character, and... <laughs> The way that this movie portrays him on Tatooine makes me like the character less. The way and, George and there ways, Lucas, there are ways around that. The but. way George Lucas portrayed the character that he invented was <laughs> yes. worse than the authors that are using it for. Okay, yeah. No, Sometimes. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, that's, that's fine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was. I was just gonna say. I mean, whatever. Like we think of Qui Gon the Phantom Menace, it does seem like it's. This might even be like a, a story group decision, but also partly Qui-Gon because of some stuff in the Clone Wars, but it's almost like his impact was meant to be felt beyond the Phantom Menace, and the, the Phantom Menace itself, he, we were just kind of introduced to this character who was a, a, a maverick in the Jedi Order, and who kind of had a, his own way of doing things, and so we get these little instances of him doing something like, would a Jedi do that? Would a member of the Jedi Council do this? And so we're... We're kind of given Qui-Gon, and so we know enough about him by the end of The Phantom Menace so that when you get stuff in the future, like we get references to Qui-Gon and even like Attack of the Clones and the Revenge of the Sith and in the Clone Wars and uh, throughout the rest of Star Wars, then it's going to 
maybe make a little bit more sense that this is the character who like found the way to immortality, who is more in tune with the living force than the Jedi at that time were. So yeah, I think we're meant to feel Qui-Gon more. I, I think that Qui-Gon's entire thing is like, let's just see where this goes. Like, let's, let's be on this journey here. Like when he, when they're in the Gungans, they like, everyone's like, we got to figure this out. We got to go. And he's like, Hey man, we're just going to take this bongo. We're going to take this Jar Jar guy. Let's see what happens. This feels right. This feels in tune with the force. Let's see where this, little adventure leads us and then you know when they're on Tatooine he sees this kid and he's like you know what I could literally just slice Watto's head off with a lightsaber because I have no morals but let's see there's something about this kid I want to see what's up with him and then I guess to me I just don't care <laughs> a <laughs> but also it although stealing is in line with this character I think also gambling and trying to see you know, is this kid into the forest? Is he, you know, a pilot? And hey, is there a way I can do this without literally just stealing from a person, which may be frowned upon by the council? I don't know. It's not something I really considered. And uh, good point. And now it's a bad movie. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> good think... podcast, guys. <laughs> we actually can wrap we up. We saw it. Yeah, we solved it. Yeah, we solved it. No, I, I, I get what you guys are saying about uh, his whole attitude on the force. Just being kind of laid back, but he's like a chill bro. He's a chill bro, <laughs> but also kind of dumb, I think, for the way that he did things. <laughs> I, think I hadn't thought about the things. thing of it was like, yeah, let's get this kid dies in the thing, it's fine. Yeah, uh, but that's it, kind then of he, an then un- he loses his ship and he loses the kid and everything's. I think it's because he knew. I think he was. I think he was in tune with the force. He knew what was up. Could be. Then, then that gets into a whole other thing of like. That's once again why I like Palpatine's character, where I think that he had a contingency for where things gone went wrong, and so now with Qui Gon, we're kind of left with like, so did he just have this one plan, and that means that he was so in tune with the Force that he knew every single event that was going to happen ever, and so why didn't he? Did he intentionally die by the hands of Darth Maul? Like, was that something he meant to do? Is like every single move calculated on his end, including Anakin's fall to the dark side. So that's also a question of like, where do Qui-Gon's powers and knowledge actually end? Mm-hmm. I think that his whole thing is just in his first line of dialogue, which is to keep your mind focused in the moment. Because, you know, in the moment, you can make decisions. You can follow this right along. But the, the future, which he's, you know, Obi-Wan's concerned about, and there are dark things looming in the future, but everyone's like, hey, if we focus on doing the best we can in the moment and just kind of following the will of the Force in the moment, we're going to get to the right place anyway. I think that's his deal, and not being worried like, I don't know. <laughs> if this kid dies, it might be bad. He's like, nah, let the kid die. It's totally cool, man. Let the kid die in a fiery accident. That's my Qui-Gon impression. Okay, good, good, good. But yeah, it's, uh, I think we've, we've, we've talked about Qui-Gon enough. Mm-hmm. We, uh, nope, 10 more minutes. We'll, we'll, <laughs> so well, what happens after Qui-Gon? What's, what happens after Qui-Gon in The Phantom Menace? AQ? Well, we got to talk about the um, the C-3PO reveal. Oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I, I, do I like The Phantom Menace? Like, cause that's, I feel like that's a lot... <laughs> That's oh, most no. of my that's most of my takes on the Phantom Menace. Like it was fun. You guys are supposed to bring me over to your side. <laughs> no, I, I gotta I'm, say I'm a person who I actually and I think I might be the only person on planet Earth that thinks this. That's never true. But I like the C three PO thing a lot. I like yeah. that Anakin built C three PO. 
I think it's a cool. I, I used to not like it because I'm like, if you're going to build a cool robot, why don't you just build this book? But then I thought, you know, there's probably a lot of protocol droid spare parts hanging around. That's the thing. I think. So he's probably just like, yeah, I'll build it. I, again, I don't I don't think it was necessary. I don't think that we needed to see C-3PO's origin and that he was, you know, built by Anakin. But it, I don't think it overall hurts that much. I think it's just, you know, if you're going to do a fun <clears throat> moment in a Star Wars movie that's kind of like a big callback like you know uh, Finn finding the training ball in the mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon this is kind of that movie's Pondababa on uh, Jetta moments this <laughs> is like but what's cool about it is I think it adds something to the character because C-3PO is always this constantly like oppressed figure like he's constantly just like oh how tragic oh how terrible oh how awful and to f- the fact that he actually has this tragic origin of being built by Darth Vader, mm-hmm. I think, is a fun bit of irony for his character. Have you? Uh, this is kind of going off topic, but it's three PO related. Have you watched the Anthony Daniels panel from Celebration? You couldn't pay me to. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anthony <laughs> Daniels, please come on the show. Um, but we'd love to hear all your same stories again. <laughs> he actually told a story that I hadn't heard before Ooh. about a deleted scene from Attack of the Clones. Now you're talking my language. Where I know Graham, where I'm my language. They, when Anakin and Padme go to the uh, Lars farm, 3PO doesn't have on his stuff. Did he tell, has he told that before? No, I've seen this though. Okay, yeah, and it's, a, it's an interesting th- scene because when he said, you know, 3PO programmed for protocol etiquette, you know, he's supposed to be this proper droid and yet he's been naked this whole time and not, not, not able to do what he's supposed to do and him get, but then it, the scene kind of falls apart because he's like, you know, and then all the stuff just happened to be there because like Padme starts putting on all the, the outer protective stuff and it's just like well that just happened to be the whole time that makes no sense but yeah i think that's why it was cut yeah it's an interesting insight into 3po and and i'm I'm all right with 3po and anthony daniels i like you come on the show no i love c3 i don't hate i love c3po that he's he's like shaking his head he's like going like when he says i love him you should i was doing two thumbs down when i said it but no i'm sorry go ahead no i'm thinking like just for me yeah, I'm fine with the C-3PO too. I, I find him and R2 a lot more incidental to the plot in the prequels and in the original trilogy, which they, they do kind of have their own role in Attack of the Clones, but that seems more self-contained almost. Like they, if you take them out, probably nothing changes. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that are just nice to have. I mean, they were in Rogue One, which is the, the most, I mean, that's the, the Easter egg, which is the most incidental of things you can put into a movie. And <laughs> I just wonder how they're going to show up in the Han Solo movie because uh, they have to be in every Star uh, okay. Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like I happen. You know I, happen. I am yeah. fine with like little continuity, like little threads like that, just being in every single movie and however you manage to shoehorn them in. It doesn't bother me. It's cute. When I saw them in Rogue One, it was a nice little break of the tension when the Battle of Scarif is about to begin. You're like, oh, my friends. Mm-hmm. It was. <laughs> So what else? What else happens on Tatooine that we? The pod race. Okay, that's right. That happened. Can I say about the pod race? At first, this was literally my least favorite part of maybe the saga as a whole, up until very recently, and it's still maybe not. It may not be my favorite part, but I can at least appreciate now that this more or less was like a passion for George. How like he loved cars. Like one of his first student films was editing like a car racing and so you can see like something like that like i can appreciate that he loved this so much and this was the part of every star wars movie where they just kind of let ben burt go and do his thing you cut out all the music and just this is nothing but sound effects and i also appreciate the the world building in this pod race because the way ben burt made the sounds for the pod racers i thought about it for this like the two instances i think of for ben burt are that 
and then the invisible hand in uh, episode three. Like, it almost sounds like a diesel engine going by, like General Grievous' oh, ship. Yeah, yeah. I remember sounds like that. I don't know if it's Ben Bird or Matt Wood. Whoever, it's whichever ben sound Bird. guy, yeah. yeah, ends up doing that. It's just like you, you immediately understand how these machines work, and you know they're completely impractical. They couldn't be in our universe, but somehow you understand how they could operate in that context just based on the sounds. And so little things like that I can take away. I appreciate the passion. I appreciate the noise. So I've been able to piecemeal together a a love for the pod race that I didn't have before. Wow. This is like one of my all-time favorite scenes in any Star Wars movie. You also like the trench run, don't you? What? That, uh, Isaac, by the way, stay tuned. He has a terrible opinion of the trench troops. run. <laughs> well, I've never heard that opinion. I've never heard it before. I've it, never heard it, it either until me, me, apparently. every time. <laughs> I like, before the race, uh, a really nice Qui-Gon moment. I know I've, I've uh, hated on him a lot. Yeah. But I like You're his... a real uh, Y-Gon. Like, why <laughs> is this going to movie? I like his, uh, his little talk with Anakin before the race starts. You got the Force yeah. theme coming in the background, which is always nice. And then, you know, he's there nice. saying, you know, it's, it's nice. He's saying, feel, don't think, trust your instincts. That's, that's a nice little moment. I like that. That's a good moment. I So for me, like, the, the cantina scene is probably, like, my favorite, uh, like, Star Wars scene in, in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of, I, I love creatures. I love when Star Wars kind of zooms out and is like, this is how big of a universe you're dealing with. Like, that scene could have been anywhere where he meets Han Solo. But to put it in this place where there's, all of these crazy aliens and brilliant creature designs and, you know, weird music happening. It's just a like that's the moment you're like, this is an otherworldly place that we're in in Star Wars. The pod race to me is, is the cantina scene on crack because it has the same purpose of being like, this is how big Star Wars is. Like, these are how many aliens are. These are all the different kinds of races and, and tribes and species that there are. But to put it in the context of an action scene which has the stakes of freeing Anakin as a slave, I think is pretty cool. And I think in terms of just... I'm, I'm a weird person who would love to see the theatrical edition of Phantom Menace released because the way the theatrical version, which I had on you know VHS for a long time, uh, the pod race, is, is edited, is I think one of the best edited action scenes ever. Between sound design, editing... That's the everything. shorter one, right? Oh, yeah. Shorter, much tighter. It's amazing. Now, the... One that's on all the you know Blu-rays now is is still a great scene that I really like, but I think you lose a little bit of that. It's still to me a really, really well paced and well structured action scene. I I love. I'm getting choked up, guys. By mm-hmm. my the my entire notes on the pod race is uh, there is a pod race. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's I mean it's it's fine. <laughs> that's what I've been saying. There is a. That's pod really race. what I was trying to say yeah. from that you know long tirade I just went on. <laughs> There is a pod race in this movie. Yeah, that's another thing. It's, it, it is like where I, once again, where I came down on it. it is like little bits that come together and make me love it. Like it's more colors in The Phantom Menace. Colorful. Can I say one thing about this, one this thing, movie? Please. Okay. So George Lucas is a visual director. This is an alien, you know, these, all these are alien ships that are cobbled together. We've never seen these kinds of things before ever in any movie. And yet when Anakin's ship starts to fall apart, is one engine burns out. Just through the visuals on the screen, on the console that he's looking at, you're able to discern exactly what he's doing to fix his ship without any exposition. You know, they don't cut to Qui-Gon saying, what he's doing right now. No, they just show it. 
and it makes total sense. I just think that's a really cool bit of like visual storytelling. Lucas is a great visual storyteller, and he has been. In the originals, you could see his influence even on the ones he didn't direct, and and the prequels all have great visuals. I, he falls apart in dialogue, but you know, yeah. Th- yeah, I don't think you can complain about his his visual style. Of yeah, sometimes when he says like like Star Wars is meant to be a silent film, it's almost like he views that as like his. It's, that's almost like his cry for help. Where like if only you guys, <laughs> if only you guys could see Star Wars as a visual and musical medium, like that would. But that is how I enjoy Star Wars. I would have to oh, say, yeah, like that's yeah. kind of my main draw to it. So that's. I think the main reason why I like the prequels is because that is how I enjoy Star Wars. And I will say, I was surprised to learn in reading like the New Hope making of Star Wars book that he has been saying that from the beginning. I thought that was a thing he made up to kind of defend himself against the prequels. Mm-hmm. He's been saying that since the 70s. That's his line. Mm-hmm. I, I do find that a lot. A lot of the stuff, I, I think people think that might just be a convenient line from George. He really has been saying it from the beginning. So that's... Yeah. I like George. You know Can what? we establish... I like Star Wars. <laughs> but do you like George? I like... Star Wars, directed by Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> no, I, I like George. I like George Lucas quite a bit. I don't like George as a director. I like George Lucas as a producer and as the f- main force. And honestly, a lot of the ideas on shows like uh, Clone Wars, probably not Rebels, but Clone Wars, were his ideas. And they're good ideas, and they're some of my favorite episodes. Yeah. And I don't think you should let him write a script, but you should let him be there. And I like I like George a lot. Also, he's a good dude. He's just kind of oh, like yeah. a, he's like a chill bro. Have I said that before? <laughs> Him and I, Bygone just chilling out together. Uh, the Padres happens and Anakin wins the Padres, and it's a great what? moment. <laughs> and then you get poodoo. That's funny because he says poo. <laughs> Can we talk about the poop jokes in uh, in Star Wars? What do we think about poop plentiful. jokes? Can we not talk about them? <laughs> there's at least three. Yeah, at least. <laughs> and they all have it on Tatooine. There's the yeah. There's the EOP yeah. fart. There's him stepping in the poop. There's a <laughs> then there's the poodoo. Those are the three I can think of. He also says you're bantha poodoo, yeah. oh, which is which true. translated is bantha fodder. Yeah. <laughs> My next notes on Tatooine are in all caps. Take Shmi Skywalker with you. Oh yeah. Don't let her near Anakin if you can't. Please like, take but, her. But like, just just find a way to. Re- her. I think we're back Fire. to. I don't care. Yeah, we're back to where you talked about Qui Gon was breaking all the rules. So like, where did he like cut himself off? Why couldn't he break that one more rule and yeah. s- and spend those credits somehow to buy her and then and then at least she won't be killed by Tusken. Qui Gon had the might of the Republic behind him, and he was going up against a literal junk dealer. <laughs> like that's basically <laughs> he could like have taken Shmi. not to be that guy. Like, but I can write a better script than this guy. But like, what if they had done a thing where uh, Watto? is upset that he lost and he has Shmi killed before Anakin leaves. Oh, that would actually be good. Yeah. I okay know he can't come back in episode two. They would have to find a new reason for him to go crazy, but Well, I mean that's kind of the reason right there that plants the seeds. The yeah. tree of life seeds. What if he tries to go back for revenge? Yeah, so let's around this table right now reconcile the fact that Shmi is left on Tatooine. How how I, does that work? I don't see I don't see a way to explain that away. I oh, like I think the the canonical reason is because they have a chip planted in them that makes them explode yeah, if they okay. leave. So oh, the, yeah. So but, that she would have uh, had a Suicide Squad-like head explosion right, if she would have Because we've left. never seen Jedi like manipulate small, <laughs> tiny objects. I, I'm just saying, there's a way to get me off the planet right. even with that. Guys, Phantom Menace is not good. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. Shmi stayed on... 
Tatooine, that movie. But again, I, I don't think that's a no. But you're you're right. It but seems... here's here's how I think of it. I don't think it's a failure of George Lucas necessarily. It's a failure of Qui Gon, and and yeah. I'm okay with that if the character is flawed and I, and that's the way he's written and it's fine. But I I I put that on Qui Gon. I have an actual answer to this. I think, which is that the Jedi Order took children from their families. Well, so it probably wasn't as big of a deal to Qui-Gon as it would be to you or me taking a child from their mother. Right, Qui-Gon was like, I'm going to do the same thing I do with all little kids and steal them away from their mommies. So goodbye, Shmi Skywalker. So someday we're going to talk about the Jedi Order, <laughs> yeah. right? And oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I wonder if Absolutely. we're on the same page. <laughs> I wonder if we're on the same page about the Jedi Order. I think we probably, probably, I, I probably are. Probably are, yeah. But yeah, I do think, and also Shmi was a really good sport about it too, the whole take my son away. She was a real trooper. <laughs> like, oh, man. She was a real trooper about the whole thing. I, and I will say I like Shmi a lot, and I like the actress a lot. Really? I do. I like her. Yeah. It's her first English role. I was just surprised that you liked a thing about this movie. But I, <laughs> no, I, I actually, like, as a kid, it always really upset. Like, this, people complain about the acting being flat, but I got to say, I watched that, and it is a huge bummer every time he has to say goodbye. And she is kind I of was... like, you're going to go to a better life. Don't look back. And she says it, like, sternly in a way that's really interesting to me. I remember, like, that was probably the first Star Wars thing that made me cry oh. was Anakin leaving his mom. Maybe it was just an age thing. That affected me. That Once again, the score, like, how that's that that's kind of where it crescendos in, like, that act of the movie where the, the music does. And that, yeah, every, I don't want to say every, I don't know if I cried the last time I saw it, but, yeah, for a while there. I couldn't get through that scene without. Yeah, it never like made me emotional, but I was always like, "Ooh, that's that's like a that's like a moment." Like the way that she says, "Don't look back," is so like it's almost like harsh the way she says it. Mm -hmm. Like, "Don't come back to this terrible place. This place sucks." And I even as a kid, I was like, "Oh man!" If my mom told me never to come back, that would kind of bum me out. And not that I want. We've established I wasn't for. Like Anakin necessarily being older in this, but if we do go to like 14, 15 year old Anakin, I think it is a lot less weird that a mom is sending her kid away. There's, we can kind of reconcile sending away a teenager. I think more it's so than a nine year old child. Yeah, it's important. That That's my, my feeling on it, is why I say it, which is that the Jedi Order, they take kids from families. That is what they do. And I think that it's supposed to be a thing like, ooh, what? That's a little weird. And then. Not to jump ahead too, although we're actually not jumping ahead very much at all. I think the next scene is when they're in the Jedi Council, basically. I mean, they, they go back. We have to talk about something before they okay. go back. Okay, I'll hold my thought. My favorite fight from the prequel. Oh, of course. Is Qui-Gon and Maul. Anakin! That is, that is my absolute favorite. It is really it is well choreographed in a way that That's I good. don't think they, they accomplish again in the prequels because it looks like they're fighting as opposed to doing a choreographed uh, fight. Maul did just go in there like with the intent to chop off that dude's head. Exactly. And Qui-Gon's style is so well suited to Liam Neeson. Yeah. This big, you know, he's like what, six four, six five, just this big, huge dude. He is. And Qui-Gon's style fighting there against Maul is really great and that is absolutely my favorite fight from the prequels. I love it. It's a pretty cool one. It's, it's short, a lot of times a lot of times when a fight comes out of nowhere, it doesn't feel right because it has no dramatic tension to mm -hmm. it. But they kind of build up the fact that Maul is stalking yeah, see, him yeah. the entire time. And uh, when it happens, it, it is a pretty cool moment. I I don't know how I forgot about it. I love it. Fun. <laughs> I like this movie, I think, on a very macro level. When we get down to the nitty gritty, I don't 
There's I don't know no what, individual element you that you enjoy. enjoy the experience of watching episode one. Yeah, I, I like the idea of the Phantom Menace, I think, more than the movie itself. <laughs> boy, oh boy, now I feel like I'm the only person who likes this movie. I love the Phantom Menace. Like, it's honestly, on a, on a good... On many days, it could be my favorite one of the the prequels. Like I even like it better than A New Hope, honestly, which which we'll get into later. Oh Wowie! But Wowie. I love the Phantom Menace. But yeah, it's boy, hot takes. Yeah, the McGee over here just caught on fire. I literally had to put on a respirator. Well, you don't guys because of the fumes from that no fiery else? opinion. You guys like A New Hope? Yes, of course. Oh, yes, I like A New <laughs> Hope. Of that, course. That's fine. That's fine. I, I, it's a good. It's fine. It's a good movie. Oh boy, you're on record now saying this, and it's going out to the entire world. Man. I'm mailing it personally to everybody in the whole world. So then, after that, they go to the yes, um, Jedi there's, Council. There's a little, another little moment that I just want. I want to praise this movie where I can. Absolutely. So when uh, Qui Gon jumps in the ship and he says Obi Wan Kenobi meet Anakin Skywalker, blah blah blah, it's kind of endearing. The little laugh that Qui Gon gives. It's another. It's a moment where I yeah. look at Qui Gon. I'm like, that's a person because Anakin says, "You're a Jedi too. Pleased to meet you." And then, and then Qui Gon laughs, and I'm like, he's right, just yeah. been through all that fight. He's tired, and yet he's still like, I, I like that moment. It's a good moment for Qui Gon. <laughs> you have the cute little scene where um, it's not Captain Panaka, is it? Pancake. Who is showing? Um, it's not Captain Pancake, <laughs> is it? Who's showing? Uh, yeah, and like his... he's like, you catch up pretty quick. Who's no, that guy? Who's Rick, like, oh, that's, that's, that's Rick, Rick Olay. Rick Olay is Olay. the best. I wish that they would have kept him around because I always thought, found him kind of charming in this movie. But it was Mister Exposition. Yeah, but I like Mr. Exposition every once in a while, and I like him. Coruscant, the you planet's that, one big city. I, I like that little moment. He's he like, was cute. Look like over it. there. There's a chancellor. Right. That's it's good You're stuff. the rod place. <laughs> so are we on Coruscant now? Can we go to, we'll go to Coruscant now. Why Let's not? Go to Coruscant. Uh, my first note for Coruscant, Ian McDermott, great. Because he is great. Oh, he's so, so good in this. He's so great oh, in everything. I love Ian McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> My analysis is rolling on the floor, rubbing his belly. of Palpatine is one long yummy noise <laughs> through the rest of the episode. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, he is just like the sprinkles on the donut. He's just, I like Star Wars. You put some Palpatine sprinkles on there. I like it even more. <laughs> they give him one moment, and it's when you first see him on Coruscant. They give him one moment. To be, to to give you any hint that he's the bad guy, aside from like the very end, but that's right. not on him. That's on the camera. Um, but he's he does this weird turn when they first get to Coruscant when he's turning to the group that's walking up to him, and like if I saw that turn, if I saw a real a person in real life do that turn, I'd be like, well, that's a bad guy. He's gonna kill someone. <laughs> and then from then on, he plays Senator Palpatine as a good stand-up politician, wow. and I like it. I yeah. like the way he plays it. Tatooine really engages me in this movie. And then this part is where I started my eyes start to glaze over a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I like the visual nature of it. And I got to say, the Senate room. Awesome. One of my favorite locations in all the Star Wars movies. It is really, even as a kid, I didn't understand what was happening. But I was always like, this is a cool, scary looking place. The way their voices were, like, it, it was funny, like... the. I always loved how some sort of they had some sort of ambient mic on all their stands that made their voices like reverberate through the entire Senate. I always thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. could hear everybody, even though like the Senate chamber seemed like an infinite place, like on on first watch. That's what's cool about. That's another like moment where like, dude, there's a lot of aliens in Star Wars. Check this place out. And the ET aliens. Yeah, that was my introduction really to film Easter eggs. And I couldn't get enough of that. I, I love that little. Uh... <laughs> I didn't know that until like two years ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've never seen E.T. The movie? What? Yeah, I've never seen the movie. Okay. Stop everything 
right this second. That's <laughs> unacceptable. I've just that, never seen it. Watch it tonight. Well, maybe. That's like your family. The trench run of movies that people haven't seen. <laughs> I don't. Know I don't how, understand. I don't know how what to that take means that. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> is it good? Is it bad? I don't understand it. Boy, but, oh boy. From a certain point of view. <laughs> uh, oh. Masamita is really cool. His little sidekick that do with. Oh, the, we shall yeah. have order. Yeah, like we it. shall have order. Another cool character design. I like that. Yeah, this whole segment doesn't. Really, oh no, the whole thing I wanted to talk about that I got sidetracked on earlier. The scene that I do love on Corazon is when we see Anakin being kind of like interviewed or tested by the a Jedi ship, Council. A speeder, a ship, a cop, a ship. <laughs> I love that stuff. It's so creepy, and it's like the music is creepy, the lighting is dim, and it's a weird scene, and it kind of lets you in like. This is the Jedi Order is kind of kind of weird. It's kind of now is this kind the of official a thing? How is this the official become a Jedi test when the people who go be taking this test are infants? I don't think it is. <laughs> a, I th- that's what I got the sense that it was not an official. Is this Jedi like the test. like Internet IQ test of like become a Jedi? I always thought that they just pulled up Google Images or the equivalent, and we're just kind of cycling through. Like, let's see if he can guess the picture. I always took it as um, as he's focusing so hard on trying to figure out what's on the screen. It's easier for them to sort of look at him because he passed the test. Oh. He did that, but the, but the whole time they're they're not really studying whether or not he can see it because there are thousands of people who can see what's on the screen. They're more looking at what he is like because right after that is when Yoda says his thing, you know, fear, hate, suffering. Right, people. right. So I think they're more watching how he figures it out. It's like a Rorschach test. Then then that he actually figures it out is how I've always read that. I like that theory. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I, I think I can, came back to the fact like, is this a test that they give like prospective Jedi enrollees? I mean, yeah, because true. it was like he was kind of um, doomed from the start in terms of like, initial acceptance into the Jedi Order. Like, it's like they made up their minds before he even came in. They're like, oh, there's a nine-year-old kid coming. He's going to be too old. Are you saying they were being dogmatic and impractical about something? <laughs> the Jedi Order? I don't get, I don't get that, it. That sounds like a future episode of <laughs> Grandma talking. That's kinda, Subscribe rate. That's the other thing is this is the scene, I think, where they say, no, the boy is too old. And yeah. you're like, what? He's a little kid. And yeah. that's, like that is another, like, hang on a second moment. Like, the movie at the very beginning, like it's all just like sweet YouTube uh, greatest hits videos of Jedi's being cool and slicing stuff with the lightsabers, and you're like Jedi's are awesome. And then you see the Jedi Council, and you're like, ooh, Jedi's are not that awesome. They're they're kind of losing it a little bit, mm-hmm. and that I think is a neat juxtaposition. But uh, you also get this great exchange. This is where um, Obi Wan and Qui Gon are talking, kind of on that like uh, overlook that parapet over Coruscant. I just want to say that word. Is that two dogs? And I think, doesn't he, Obi-Wan says something like, uh, <laughs> we, got, we, needed, got we got it, we got it. I needed you it. to acknowledge that. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> They're standing on a pair of pets and they, <laughs> this is when Obi-Wan's like, don't defy the Jedi Order again. Like, you're kind of like, oh yeah, this dude's like a total maverick. Yeah, it's one of those cool little Star Wars lines where you get like years worth of exposition and one line of dialogue. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Do you want to know another little tidbit about uh, the script for this movie? Okay, geez. I guess I'll just keep it to myself and the entire internet who already knows it. But uh, there, I was reading interviews with Irvin, not Irvin Kershner. Uh, ah, who wrote, who wrote Lawrence Empire? Kazdin? Lawrence Kazan. 
Yikes. Cut that part out. <laughs> no, I'm Lawrence Kasdan. No, guys, forgive me. Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, George approached him to write the script for The Phantom Menace, and he didn't do it. He, it was, they, That's a shame. It really is. Hmm. Yeah, there's and it's from Lawrence Kasdan's mouth. Like he he's like, yeah, they he like approached me to it like right as they're about to start filming. He's like, I'd love to get to have you do a pass on it, which is kind of funny because that's what they did with Empire too. It was just kind of like, hey, we have the script, it's not really working. You want to take a look at this thing? Um, however, the results were not the same. It's kind of a bummer. That's a kind of a bummer of a tidbit. Are you saying Phantom Menace isn't as good as Empire Strikes Back? I have this weird theory that it's not. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we'll see. After Coruscant. Yeah, I wrote down running low on things to say about this movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, well, we can talk about the last kind of action, extended action sequence of this movie where there's, you know, all these different segments happening towards happening towards a greater whole. First, I have to, there's a logic nitpit that, uh, that does bother me. Why is there no blockade when they come back to the planet? I wrote that down. In the ori- it makes no sense. In the original script, there was a scene where they have, um, actually, much like in The Force Awakens, a scene where they had Anakin pilot the ship and do uh, hyper use the hyperdrive and get warp speed into the planet, like past the blockade. Mm. And they, they, they didn't know, do it. File that to things that I never thought about until you mentioned it, and I, I don't know if that's going to stick with me long term. My head canon is that they already invaded the planet, so the blockade doesn't need to be there. Yeah, or like there was a something in the Senate, like, hey, guys, take the blockade down for a week. And <laughs> just... This movie's just falling apart by the seams. I, I, really, like, I, I like Star Wars. I like the Phantom Menace. Like, <laughs> I'll just repeat that as a mantra, like a cheer at M-Way. Mantra Canada. <laughs> Han Solo! <laughs> Hey, Moss. Um, <laughs> Can I... Uh, the, the the final battle of this movie, this, uh, once again, is just one of my personal preferences. Like, space battles? Like, even... I never like space battle video games. I never, like... Never been a big space battle in movies guy. And so, to me, like, the space battle of the Phantom Menace is another, like, kind of incidental thing to me where it's fine. Like, I think the battle above Scarif could be, like, the first time in a Star Wars movie that I truly enjoyed the space battle. That's just where I'm coming from personally. But That's just your personal opinion. I've saying. always been so partial to lightsaber duels myself that I just... I remember even as a kid, I always loved the lightsaber duels so much. I always felt like the, the space battles were interrupting my enjoyment of the lightsaber duel that was going on at that moment. Really? I don't think that this is the best spaceship battle at all, but... I like it. I like these Naboo starfighters quite a bit. I think Design it's well wise, shot. I think good. This, it's an entirely practical set that they built, mm-hmm. and all the ships are practical. The explosions are. It's a really cool. Wait, are you saying the space battle is all practical? Yeah, they really okay. flew the spaceships okay. in well, space. I didn't know that. I did not know that. <laughs> they use real lasers. They kills real people. <laughs> well, no, I um, I have a lot to say about this lightsaber battle. Going back to my thematic thing. So speak now forever, hold your peace. If you wanted to get to a different part of this action sequence first. Oh, the... And then a bloviate like for a while. other ones, or the, just the space? Yeah, if you want, like... Because I, I don't space. have a lot to... You want I'm more, opposite of Isaac. I want more space. I agree. I'm a space battle fan. Give me all the space yep. battles. I love it. I love it. And I am Sorry. a big fan of this Gungan battle that happens. I think it's visually one of the cooler things in Star oh, Wars. Yeah. I love when it first starts and they're coming out of the fog. Oh, that is such a cool man. shot. That is a cool shot. The sound design, like That's the rest a warm of the movie. Bath. That is my Palpatine yummy noise. That <laughs> is warm milk at a midnight showing of Rogue One. <laughs> Pardon? Warm, warm blue milk. Um, the Star Wars, guys. Uh, the uh, 
the sound design for the Gungan battle is top notch. Great. I love all the sounds. I can't help but feel it would be a perfect ground battle without Jar Jar's antics. Oh, no. So much time is focused on him flipping and flopping around. And and I just wanted a cool battle between some droids and guns. Yeah, I had I mixed feelings on it because on one hand, um, and there really are like shot-for-shot shot remakes of some Buster Keaton like stunts that they yeah. did in this thing. Um, so I understand the intention behind it, but I, I am mixed because I do kind of enjoy Jar Jar's antics. This is the one time where I'm like, I'm pretty on board with Jar Jar's goofing around because it is enjoyable to me to watch him accidentally killing droids. It would have been a more tense battle if he actually was like, you know what, this is the moment where I'm going to step up and be a hero, and he was just cool. That would have been like, would have been like, you know what, this Jar Jar guy, he was goofy for a while. Now he's a pretty cool guy. And also to to play to this being like the justifying Jar Jar's presence there, this really, if we're getting back into incidentals again, this is a battle that really more or less didn't matter on the grand in the in the grand scheme of things considering it was like a distraction kind of it was it was just kind of all, like an, an also part like it was great concept like conceptually visually all that different stuff but yeah in 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 the universe of star wars itself i mean it takes the droids being shut off for the gungans to have a victory and they lose the battle relatively quickly <laughs> in in real movie time and it, you kind of get that impression too in terms of the like in universe itself i mean they walk right through the the shield of the gungans and so i think when you have jar jar breaking up the tension like that that's almost sort of like a reminder that this isn't the the serious part like you have the the crazy choir going on with duel the fates and right. the three-way lightsaber battle you got a space battle going on and the space battle ends up directly influencing the ground battle so to me yeah that's like jar jar he can do whatever he wants because it didn't really matter in the end anyway so this lightsaber battle is obviously pretty fantastic now a lot of people feel that it's too choreographed i disagree so this to me on a uh maybe this isn't this might not hold up as well i had this conversation on the way back from celebration you were asleep isaac and we were the rest of us in the car were talking about it and this was like 4 a.m kind of half out of your mind ranting so maybe it sounded cool then but it won't make any sense now but the (laughs) what i like about it is that going back to the thematic prologue nature of this movie i think that this lightsaber battle is kind of in itself the entire arc of the jedi versus the sith in one fight it is kind of it has an arc to it that perfectly matches the struggle against good and evil that happens throughout the rest of the saga like there is you know Jedi, they're winning at the beginning. It's it's equal. There's a balance. Everybody's fighting on the same page. The master dies. There's an imbalance there. Um, the master dies in every first movie in the new trilogy. That's a that's a thing that happens. And then, you know, even down to his double sided blade. There's kind of this entire theme of like duality happening and balance. This entire fight is about balance between like two fighters and like the way. One of the ways that Obi-Wan wins the fight is by chopping his two-sided lightsaber in half. Once again, like, rebalancing it. For a minute, the Sith has an advantage. He's got two blades. He cuts it in half. Now he's got one blade. They're balanced again. He cuts him in half at the end of the battle. I don't know. I think there's something thematically interesting about it. No, that was actually... That's not bad. I was thinking to myself, this was, like, literally the first thought I had when I woke up this morning. So, once again, maybe this thought doesn't make as much sense now. (laughs) Because mine kind of sucks. In real time. No, it wasn't that bad. Like, I can kind of see where you're... 
where you're going with that. I mean, that'd make a good uh, blog post at, at some point. By <laughs> but my first, my I was thinking about the duel and how maybe people didn't like the fact that they brought Darth Maul back. But I really kind, it, it was kind of neat bringing Darth Maul back. Considering it, it turned out it was George Lucas's idea to bring him back in the Clone Wars. How you have Qui Gon in effect survives this duel. He gets killed in his physical form. But, I mean, he found that path to immortality, and so he he lives on. And he gets stabbed in the gut. I mean, he has a hole through him. The old gut stab. Yeah, and then Darth Maul falls down in an endless pit. So, uh, once again, almost like uh, an endless hole. And he ends up, when we find him in the Clone Wars, he is literally in like a hell-like state. He's fallen all the way down to there. And so it's almost like Qui-Gon and Maul both survive this duel. And then it's almost mm. kind of like you get this, this journey where they're kind of... Uh, separating themselves over time where Qui-Gon is becoming more one with the force. He's training these Jedi masters and you have Maul who just will get into more of this on our rebels episodes, but he, <laughs> he kind of, he's, he's kind of stuck in that continual loop. He's stuck in a moment. He's almost like stuck in hell. He is in, he's stuck in a moment. He can't get out of you too. Mm. And uh, he, uh, <laughs> Riley is so upset. He, uh, he, yeah, he's, he's in a hell like state where he's just in a perpetual state of self torture over what happened to him at that duel. And yeah, there's once again, that would make a good blog post if I put more thought into it. But it was my first thought this morning where there is also like a kind of a duality there as well between Qui-Gon and Maul and their fates in that fight. We can do another take of these opinions and make them more succinct. Yeah, we could be more refined, but I don't write for StarWars.com and frankly, I don't want to. We're certainly being loquacious. Don't you dare hire me, Lucasfilm. You can hire me, I don't care. <laughs> we both have glasses. We look the part. Yeah. Um, are you, you, you feel like this fight is too choreographed, Riley, probably? Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it. I don't have a blog post set up in the wings. Um, and, but ours were so cumbersome. I know. And I, I can see what both of you are saying. That would make sense. I don't, I'm not going to say that's, I don't know if that's what they were going for. I think those are maybe happy accidents and us looking into this fight a whole lot more than beyond the, uh, this fight looks really cool. I will say, I I, I need to specify, for. beyond me liking on a deeper level the kind of, like, visual poetry, if I may, that's happening on this one. Mm. I, I do, on a visceral level, This I find it exciting. And I think that the moment when Qui-Gon dies, Obi-Wan's, like, getting himself psyched up before he runs out there and is clearly just beating the crap out of Darth Maul. Like, he's he's tabbing into some anger there. I find that moment like thrilling, like every time I get into that's it, and I'm feeling it. That's my favorite lightsaber duel in all of Star Wars. That just Obi Wan versus Darth Maul, right there. That's yes, it is so frenetic when he comes out. Just like it's I, did the the actors themselves, the fact they could get their bodies to move that quickly. These are yeah two actors. I mean, of course, Ray Park was kind of more trained to be that sort of person in the first place. We get some like an actor like Ewan McGregor come out and train himself up to a point where he is just going at lightning speed in real time. I yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, that that part, like most of the great lightsaber battles are fueled by emotion. And prior to that moment, you know, the Maul was just some creepy looking dude that attacked him on attacked him. They didn't know anything about this guy other than the fact that he's a Sith. But once Qui-Gon dies, there's an emotional connection there. And uh it's pretty electrifying after that. I gotta yeah. say, have you, have you guys seen The Phantom Menace? I like it. Parts. It's a good movie. I like Star Wars. I think um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think maybe I just have a problem with Obi Wan in this movie because look, thinking back on that duel, I he doesn't do a lot. He doesn't do a lot, but in terms of this fight, I think I like, I enjoy watching the parts where where he's separated from Qui Gon oh. more, and and that's just from a visual standpoint. I like watching Qui Gon Jinn and Darth Maul fight a whole lot more hmm. than I like watching Obi Wan fight Darth Maul. That is interesting. I like, to me. I, like I w- my big regret is that we didn't get more qui-gon in like the clone wars aside from just being a force ghost or whatever i like watching qui-gon Jinn fight i've yeah, decided that's... from the last time watching this movie i really like watching liam neeson yeah fight. that's still one of my wishes is more pre phantom menace canon material that's going to be released that you would think would come at some point i mean is we'll he pre- too old to be qui-gon Jinn again because no. like he looks yeah. exactly the same right you just gotta so, put a beard on him I mean, yeah he's, i yeah. would be into seeing him do some more stuff he could probably play that part for a good 10 15 more years if he I wanted know, to i think ewan's looking a little old to be obi-wan but maybe it could be, no it would be appropriate it would be appropriate at this point i think like if they were going to do a, the the standalone movie that everybody wants with him on the desert, he would be the right age yes. now for that to make sense. Isn't but weird like that he's only like ten years off from what Alec Guinness was in the original. Right? Movie? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Super crazy. Yeah, but like back to like the the duel. What I think, whatever people's opinion of this is, what this what this did do is something I think people complained about in the prequels. As far as like, there's so many things you could have done, but you didn't show me this, this, and this. What we were shown was the Jedi and the Sith at the peak of their powers facing off against each other in a duel to the death. And that's like people had wanted to see like how good could the Jedi be? How good could the Sith be? And so we got to see like this is like these are three really good force wielders right now going at each other. And that's what I think that that duel definitely accomplished was we got that visual exposition. Yeah, I think that's what makes it work like that's that's kind of your price of admission moment like that's your millennium falcon through the jakku desert chase that's your big like this is the cool battle from this movie it's the cool part it's the cool part bros <laughs> okay so, so oh go ahead no no i was gonna say i think we're yeah qui-gon I, dies just one little quick thing that i thought about i don't know who said this i think it was one of my friends so i'm stealing it from them sorry friend um, but come on the show, still. Come on the show, please. I think that uh, Luke's lightsaber is taken from Qui Gon's lightsaber because Obi Wan has Qui Gon's lightsaber at the very end, and we know that Luke made his lightsaber at Ben's hut sometime between uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi. And I think it would be really cool if he was using Qui Gon's lightsaber crystal. It doesn't really add anything to it, but I just always thought, you know, where did he get where did he get that green crystal from? Qui Gon's lightsaber was probably in that hut. Not to get all collider prediction videos on you, but is that going to be the lightsaber that Luke has in The Last Jedi? Will he have a lightsaber? And we've talked about this off air. We have. I yeah. hope he does not have a lightsaber. Me too. That'd yeah. be incredible. Be pretty dope. I'd be a, I'd be yeah. way down. We'll get that. back into this in our Return of the Jedi episode, but the, mm-hmm. when he throws away his lightsaber in Return of the Jedi, that to me is possibly the most powerful moment of Star Wars period where that's where like... That is a Jedi. That is the self-actualization of Luke Skywalker. With one flick of his wrist, he tosses his lightsaber aside. Star Wars is good movies. I like Star Wars. It's very good. Can I throw out one more controversial opinion? Sure. I like Star Wars. I don't know if we've talked about it at all, but Star Wars is good, and we like it. Yeah, Yeah, We go back and forth, but I think we landed on it's good. Speaking from personal experience, I I feel like I've, I've put way too much money 
and some merchandise <laughs> been afforded to me to at this like they have me right like it now. I was gonna say like there is no other opinion I can have now besides like it. If I decide to not like it, you've wasted so much. It is far more expensive than any divorce you could think of. That's very depressing. <laughs> One more thing about Obi Wan, I feel bad for him in general. For his whole life, he's he kind of gets the short end of the stick very many times in his life. Yeah. And, like, the, the nail in the coffin in this movie is that Qui-Gon's last words to this guy who's been his apprentice for years and years right. is, train the boy, he's the chosen one, take care of him. Not like, I'm proud of you, you killed a Sith, oh, great wow. job, right. great job, Obi-Wan. Not bad at all. And it's, Absolutely. Just like, and it's just like, Obi-Wan's like, okay, I'll, I'll train him. Man, bye, that's, bye, Dad. That's, that is interesting, because I always was interested in Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship as well, because what you're saying there... Possibly there was like a disconnect in the way that both the master and the Padawan perceived their relationship because at times in episodes two and three, you'll hear Anakin refer to Obi-Wan as a father figure, but never once do you hear Obi-Wan refer to Anakin as being like a son to him. It's always like, he's my friend, he's my brother. Yeah. So there is like this disconnect. It's like the expectation that the Padawan has of his master that's never quite met and that breeds some sort of tension, anxiety. Maybe having a crazy maverick Jedi as your master is not going to turn out so well sometimes. And I think it's we should note the really important thing that's kind of set up in this movie is that Obi-Wan is not a Jedi master necessarily at the True, point of yeah. this. You know, he is in training. He's a Padawan. He is thrust into the position where he has to train his kid. And so he's kind of untrained or undertrained, we should say. I mean, he's plenty of train he beat Darth Maul but he's he's a dude that's not Qui-Gon Jinn yet and yet he's forced in a position where he has to be the teacher that Qui-Gon just was to him so that disconnect that you were just talking about like that is a huge part of the arc of Star Wars as a whole the fact that like Anakin and Obi-Wan are kind of pushed together by fate and neither one of them are necessarily ready for that training mm-hmm. And they, that really lends to like the tragedy of the prequels. And still, like I'll, I'll maintain like that's how I really love to view the prequels as like a, a three act tragedy, yeah. where it's like there are several points in the story that you can point to. Or like if this person did just this one little thing differently, so many other pieces could have fallen in a more positive direction. But you're just sitting there helpless watching it, like any good tragedy unfolds. I gotta say it. Star Wars is good stuff. Star Wars. <laughs> my, my final note I wrote here is just I want to defend myself and my hatred of Qui-Gon. You just pulled out like an 80-page yeah. three-ring binder and yeah. like a three-fold poster hours? board. Got a couple hours? I just yeah. Need to say all this Did you make a chart and a graph? <laughs> my final note was Qui-Gon is probably the best part of the movie despite his many flaws. And I think that's how I feel about this movie is mm. – I don't always like Qui-Gon as a character, and still he's my favorite part of The Phantom Menace, and I wish that he had been able to stick around. I, I think I would agree with you. I think he's my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. Although I got to say, it's I not think... not a lot of choices, but yes. Right, Ooh. yeah. There's only so many. Hot take. Mick Jackson over here. Pretty hot. But... <laughs> great quote from a great movie. Uh, but I think Obi-Wan's arc overall is my favorite arc of any character. I think it's the most tragic. No, it absolutely is. He has the worst life out of everyone here, I including think, Anakin. I think that the moment where he gives Luke that look in A New Hope and decides to just let it all go and realizes the example he can be to him by just dying is, like, the coolest. 
that's a really deep thought. I know. Oh man, and, yeah. It's, you know, I hope. I hope. I know a lot of bloggers are taking notes and they're going to the, write some think pieces of what I just oh, said. Oh yeah, just. But I think it is the coolest. Yeah, in the context that Ewan McGregor ends up providing to Alec Guinness's character, we'll get into this later too. But another one of my favorite little two seconds of moment of Star Wars is in A New Hope when Luke asks him like what happened to his father and that look that Alec Guinness gives him without any prior knowledge like Alec Guinness at this point like pretty much knows as much as like anyone else in 1976 knows about Star Wars yeah and like he he has no idea but like it's Alec Guinness is able to just provide this this look of like he's been preparing for this for so many years and now it's like it's showtime and he has to give Luke a version of the story that's gonna push Luke forward in in the correct way and I just yeah that's a new hope discussion but yeah it's I love Obi-Wan's arc and yeah Qui-Gon Jinn is such a, a powerful character in this and in a, a tragedy context it is it's so tragic that a character as strong as Qui-Gon Jinn who would have been such a great influence on Anakin Skywalker is the the rug gets pulled out from under that so quickly and it's like we we long for more from this character but I'm we don't really get to see much of him like beyond the grave except for at the very end of revenge of the sith so in context of the movies of the first three movies that's where qui-gon's taken away from us i give this movie five out of ten gragras i give it um one thumbs up i give it my a, nose which I, I like to do so it's good i give it 11 out of 10 bumpkins <laughs> that's what i give it <laughs> it's all he knows folks so next week we're going to talk about attack of the cloners and they are those clones they end up attacking in this movie we i don't want to get into big spoilers and i don't want to i have a theory about this next movie that's gonna blow people's minds got it i got it maybe you have to wait till next week to find out spoiler alert is that the clones attack how long is this show right now is this getting to an hour again yeah we're over an hour now oh good so we can uh wrap up this podcast and once again, yeah, we're going to be talking about Attack of the Clones next week. And I really like this show so far, guys. I don't and think it's very good. Really? <laughs> I think it's been a whole lot of fun, and I really hope someone listens. I think Besides we, our moms? I'm going to do this whether or not someone listens. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. This oh, it's is... tons of fun. So for, for Jake and for Riley and for Isaac, who is myself, this has been your delicately curated <laughs> long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga, tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in bi-weekly or weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley, hey. Jake, oh. and me, Isaac. Thank you guys so much. Like and subscribe and rate. And This is all I have going for me right now. So if this isn't the biggest thing He's in the entire in the world, hospital, you guys. <laughs> I'm recording. <laughs> I'm recording this live from the children's the, hospital. The Lego butt cheeks are so alive and well. <laughs> I've got them packed with a lot of gauze, but the doctors aren't feeling confident. If this doesn't go so well, I can't foresee myself wanting to stay alive much longer. You've heard the ultimatum, listeners. So this has been Grand Moff talking, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This is, I would this totally is do another one, by the way.